Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very, very accomplished educator from New York, USA, Mr. Andrew Russell. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Andrew is the officer in charge of the SUNY Polytechnic Institute. He's a professor of history on a leave of absence from his position as the Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences. He's a historian of technology and business whose research examines the evolution of high-tech industries. Uh, Andrew is also an author uh, of several books, but one of them is The Open Standards in the Digital Age. He's also a co-author of a book titled The Innovation Delusion and Circuits, Packets, and Protocols. He's also the co-founder and co-director of The Maintainers, which is an international network of scholars and workers. Andrew, what an amazing amount of things that you do. Uh, but let me start by asking you to tell me about your own journey in brief. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I've, I've fallen into a bunch of things. I think that's probably a common theme amongst your guests. Uh, I went to, went to college not knowing what to do, found that history uh, enticed me. Mm-hmm. Um, after working for a couple of years, I realized I wanted to go to graduate school to study the history of this thing called the internet, which was the late 1990s. And um, everyone was talking about the future and not many people were talking about its past. So mm-hmm. I eventually earned a PhD in the history of science and technology from Johns Hopkins University and uh, began a faculty career at Stevens Institute of Technology. And uh, Found myself in a leadership role there in an interim capacity, and I wanted to get back home here to upstate New York, so I became Dean of Arts and Sciences here at SUNY Poly in wow. 2016, and um, then fell into another leadership role a few months ago in December 22 uh, as officer in charge, which is essentially the interim president here at yeah. SUNY Poly. Wonderful. So let's talk about technology and business. Let me start by asking you that what are some of the most significant ch- shifts you have seen in the high-tech industries? So this is a, a big question uh, that historians have debated for decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the biggest shift in, in world historical terms is industrialization, mm-hmm. uh, particularly where there's written history. Mm-hmm. And uh, historians debate whether um, we can break up industrialization into multiple phases. So the the first and second and third and perhaps fourth industrial revolution. Uh, But from my point of view, I think uh, it's really about um, it's one broad phenomenon uh, and patterns of life in industrialization that's gone on since, uh, you know, the the 17, 1800s in Britain and then spreading across the world. Um, That has impacted life in ways that the, the fundamentals um, haven't shifted all that much in terms of patterns of social structures mm-hmm. in the last two centuries. So uh, it's mechanization, industrialization is the answer. Amazing. And how has the role of technology in business evolved since the dawn of the digital age? So uh, the these debates, uh, one big question is, uh, does computing change everything? Does the digital world change everything? Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly we've seen changes in uh, how individuals uh, engage information, whether it's 
um, commerce or interpersonal uh, communication like what we're having here, mm -hmm. certainly access to information. Um, for business, all of these factors come into play. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of new inputs that uh, business managers and leaders need to take into account, as well as new capabilities for uh, materials and markets and, and all kinds of different things that happen. So there's been quite a bit of churn. Uh, we hear the term creative destruction a lot. Uh, Joseph Schumpeter, the economist, uh, was really coined that term. Um, so so those are some of the big, uh, it's it's really an expansion of possibilities that, that at this point knows no limit. Very interesting. And what, uh, in your opinion, has been the impact of the Silicon Valley culture on the global tech industry? I see it as a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, um, it has enabled a lot of creativity, uh, entrepreneurship, and, and the new possibilities uh, that, that I was just discussing. On the other hand, there is a uh, brash recklessness in Silicon Valley that I worry that uh, has been exported to regions around uh, the United States and regions around the world. Um, this is perhaps best encapsulated in Mark Zuckerberg's famous phrase, move fast and break things. Mm -hmm. And I think as we've seen for all of human history, it's not always a good idea to move fast and break things. Uh, when things get broken, people get hurt and uh, routines get disrupted and um, families get dislocated. So um, there's a responsibility that uh, I worry has fallen to the wayside mm -hmm. in uh, the Silicon Valley model of um, frequent iteration and, uh, and relentless pursuit of profit. Interesting. And how has the rise of the internet and digital technologies impacted traditional business models? Uh, there's been a gradual, it, it's complicated, of mm -hmm. course, is, is what a historian uh, would answer. There's been a gradual shift in organizational forms. Mm -hmm. I would say this is the biggest uh, change mm -hmm. that we can observe over the long term um, from hierarchical structures to more networked structures. Mm -hmm. So this coincided with the development of and, and uh, adoption of digital technologies, but these horizontal linkages again, like you and I are having now, are much easier to accomplish as opposed to in the pre-digital era where um, things moved more slowly and organizations moved in a more hierarchical manner. Right. So uh, there's a cultural shift there involved too, which is uh, more informality as opposed to formality. Um, and I think a, a more important role for um people understanding their role in a global society. So embracing mm. cultures and, and taking a more modest approach towards uh, their own culture and their own presence in, in global society. Fascinating, thank you. And uh, how have high-tech industries impacted job markets and work culture? Well, so this is a question I think we're still trying to wrap our arms around. Um, yeah, so so I think work culture is the easier one. Mm. Um, I referenced informality earlier. And so um, I think people have seen uh, in Silicon Valley and these software companies, free food and ping pong tables yep. and more flexible work arrangements, certainly after COVID, mm. uh, where uh, remote working has become more prominent and Industries have been struggling to deal with this. Mm. Um, so, but but I think a greater uh, 
level of informality has become the norm. Um, in terms of jobs, it's it's a little bit more complicated, uh, certainly in our country and where I from where I sit, um, an institution that uh, is very much in the mix with uh, with the growth of semiconductor manufacturing in, in this country. Um, traditional manufacturing is coming back. And so there was a push over the last couple of decades to yeah. uh, get everybody to learn to code. Mm. Uh, that would be the key to uh, STEM careers. Mm. But um, the world, it turns out, isn't just made of software. We need people who can work in manufacturing and work in skilled trades and do things with their hands and show up in person, yeah. not just virtually. So mm. it's uh, it's all being sorted out right okay. as we speak. Well said. And now a question to you from the other perspective. How has consumer behavior and market demand impacted evolution of technology? It's decisive, mm -hmm. I would say, consumer behavior. Um, one thing that uh, I think is clear in, in uh, the most recent book that I co-authored, a book called Circuits, Packets, and Protocols, this book is about uh, the development of the digital industries from the vantage point mm -hmm. of uh, the equipment like modems, routers, and switches that enable all of this interconnection. Mm -hmm. And the big drivers in the various phases of that industry that we studied in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, the late 20th century, mm -hmm. uh, was demand from large corporations. So individuals like you and I make a very small difference. Right. Um, together, we make a bigger difference. But when large corporations like uh, auto manufacturers, aerospace companies put in orders for computers, mm -hmm. this is when computer companies, including startups, really move. So it's large uh, institutions that have really driven a lot of the changes in the adoption of uh, whether it's equipment or networking protocols or uh, or other sorts of things in the computing industries. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And that's a great response from the perspective of consumer behavior and market demand. But now uh, my next question is, when we talk of artificial intelligence and all the other tech-related uh, alphabet soups, uh, letters, you know, AI, ML, chat, GPT, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, how has the advantage of uh, advancement of these technologies transformed the tech industry? So uh, it's too soon to know. Mm -hmm. uh, is is my that's the only response I can I can uh, come up with that I think is it's uh, an appropriate historian's response. Mm -hmm. What I'll what I can say is that uh, these tools and technology mm -hmm. uh, fit into a very familiar pattern uh, where where something new and and shiny comes up. There's a lot of hype, uh, a lot of capital rushes uh, to those technologies to support new firms or the integration of those technologies within existing firms. Mm -hmm. And uh, these things come and go, sometimes creating bubbles. Right. And those bubbles sometimes pop uh, mm -hmm. with, a, with a great deal of loss of investment. So um, we've seen this, you know, there's been several AI waves, mm -hmm. uh, blockchain came and went, uh, the metaverse was around and then, mm -hmm. then vanished uh, very quickly. So uh, from my point of view, it's too soon to know whether um, I think there's really three uh, scenarios. Mm -hmm. One is it's all hype and it will vanish. Yeah. Uh, two is that they will become general purpose technologies um, like nanotechnology that will be embedded into a bunch of um, disciplines and, uh, and industries. And then the third is that they will live up to the hype that their promoters mm. are pushing today. Mm. Uh, 
my bet, I don't like to make predictions, mm -hmm. um, but my bet is as is the most likely. Yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, when you look, when you think of all the big tech giants of the past, when you look at Web 1.0, Web 2.0, now Web 3.0, and as you said, so many other things. But my question is, what are some of the common patterns or trends seen in the rise and fall of tech giants over the years? The companies don't last that long. Mm -hmm. I think that's one um, lesson from history, certainly in America in the 20th century yeah. that we've seen. Mm -hmm. um, companies that persist for more than a few decades are uh, the exception, not the norm. Correct. And so, um, so that's one pattern. A second pattern is that, uh, as I as I alluded earlier, companies will rush to invest in the latest thing and try and get as many people uh, connected to that as possible, or as many companies, again, to, to promote uh, uh, the buying power and the selling power. And uh, some of them will stick and some will not. So um, there's a fascinating list of products that Google has promoted and then abandoned, to take right. one example, mm -hmm. um, which is just one, just one company. Mm -hmm. And some of those products come from them purchasing uh, companies and purchasing products. Yeah. So the the churn is the pattern. Mm. Uh, that's what I'm trying to get across. It's not uh, uh, stability uh, within a particular firm is is quite tricky. Um, churn within firms is the the pattern. Okay. Um, there's an underlying stability in social arrangements with right. inequality of income and um, maldistribution of things like health and education that is persistent uh, across centuries. Very interesting. And, you know, when you talk of churn is the pattern, that is such a powerful observation because you're so, so right. These companies go and buy billions of dollars worth of other companies. And then these companies, they acquire, they just disappear. So when one does, just, just, yeah. when one wonders whether the entrepreneur uh, may have done a better job than these big giants. But moving <laughs> on, uh, Andrew, what are some of the important ethical considerations in the tech industry today? It's a very tricky problem that uh, I and my colleagues in, in higher education spend mm -hmm. a lot of time thinking about. Um, in computer science and in the engineering fields, we mandate courses um, in the societal and ethical implications of technologies. Mm -hmm. um, but this is, I think, a failed paradigm mm -hmm. where ethics is something that can just be patched on right. um, and seen as an add-on to education. It really needs to be infused more deeply mm -hmm. um, into every aspect of, um, of work life and, uh, and of, of corporate culture. So uh, the challenges are, are really multiple. Um, the two that come to mind for me are how companies and their employees can be responsible mm -hmm. citizens, so accountable to their uh, local populations and to their local, state, national governments, mm -hmm. and how they can manage this tension inherent in capitalism between the need on the one hand to be as extractive as possible, so to collect all the profits within the company and distribute them to their shareholders, and on the other hand, to be responsible to the world that they that they live in. And I see my students struggle with this every day. And uh, I'm proud to see some of the graduates of, of SUNY Poly and of, of Stevens Institute of Technology becoming leaders um, in their own spheres to, to try and guide their colleagues towards better outcomes. How interesting. And what is your view on how technological in, uh, innovation 
can influence economic inequality? And what might be done to address this? So in, in the book that I wrote with Lee Vinsel called The Innovation Delusion, uh -huh. uh, we, we worried about uh, too much emphasis on innovation at the expense of the recognition of the importance of maintenance and repair. So my answer to you is that it's not necessarily innovation that will solve problems. Mm -hmm. More attention paid to maintenance, more attention paid to maintainers, the people who uh, during the COVID pandemic we called essential workers, mm -hmm. that will be the, the best way to address inequality mm -hmm. is to uh, address it structurally and systematically, not through the temptation to think that one new technology or another new technology might just solve the problem uh, a la Silicon Valley. It's it's a much more challenging and structural problem than something one technology can just wash away. Well said. And uh, I'd love to get some examples of technology disrupting existing industries based on your own research. Certainly. So the biggest one uh, for me is the internet itself. That's the one I've studied the most. And if you had said to someone in 1940 or 1950 that the companies IBM and AT&T within 30 years um, would be almost out of business or their monopolies disrupted either by competition or by government regulation, right. most people would not believe you because those companies were such uh, a core part of the fabric of American life. Yeah. But certainly, uh, but certainly by the mid 1980s and by the 1990s, that is exactly what happened mm -hmm. because of the, because of digital technologies and because companies, uh, not just entrepreneurial companies, but other companies that want to take a bet on digital technologies, mm -hmm. uh, made those bets, made those investments, and were able to develop technologies in, in a way that uh, the existing monopolies just couldn't see, that AT&T mm -hmm. and IBM mm -hmm. either couldn't see or couldn't execute on. Mm -hmm. So time for two more questions, uh, Andrew. My next question is, what has been the role of venture capital in the startup culture in the development of high-tech industries? Uh, certainly fuels it, and it has also enforced um, a, a kind of mimicry that we see across cultures and across industries, because with venture capital comes a familiar set of behaviors and expectations. Um, venture capital needs return on its investment, otherwise mm -hmm. venture capital mm -hmm. will go away. So entrepreneurs or, or other individuals receiving venture capital mm -hmm. will act so that they please uh, the capitalists and might not make the best decisions that uh, might undermine the interests of, of venture capital. So uh, we've seen that play out uh, in multiple industries, mm -hmm. digital industries, um, certainly pharmaceuticals, uh, aerospace and other, other areas that seem uh, ripe for uh, venture capital and ripe for disruption. Right. But uh, sometimes, you know, as, as you know, it doesn't always work out so well. Mm. Wonderful. And my last question to you, and I'm going to ask a historian not to look back, but to look ahead. How do you think all these emerging technologies like quantum computing, blockchain, and so many others will shape the future of business? I think that uh, businesses will find ways to 
integrate those technologies into their existing operations. Mm -hmm. So that's for established businesses. Yeah. Um, in some cases, they'll work. In some cases, they won't. Um, in the cases where they'll work, they will silently enter um, regular operations just like technologies of old have done. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in cases where they won't work, I think businesses, uh, blockchain is a good example. There was a lot of hype about blockchain. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, in some cases, I think businesses that have made large investments in blockchain will yeah. simply walk away and not necessarily acknowledge the fact that they threw a lot of money at something mm -hmm. that didn't pan out. Well said. And on that note, Andrew, thank you so much for speaking to me about your own journey. Thank you for speaking to me about so many different aspects of technology and business. I mean, I think I learned many new things, uh, getting your perspectives. And as, as they say, those who don't understand history are destined to repeat it. So I think you are, you know, what you've told me and a lot of our viewers and listeners today, how important it is for us to understand what has led to this incredible technological revolution in the world. And yet you've also said, what are some of the areas to be able to watch out for in the future. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.